Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. It's Renee here. How are you doing? I hope you've had a wonderful day. I've had a really good 24 hours actually. Now, let me just warn you, just in case you hear Cameron's voice in the background really, really loud, <laughs> uh, kind of funny at our house at the moment. Um, big shout out and happy birthday, by the way, to Sam Long. Hey, Sam. I know that Sam always listens to the podcast. Sam and Hannah are the Youth Alive directors of South Australia and uh, really, really good friends of Cameron and myself. And um, Sam's turning 30 and we're recording a happy birthday message. In fact, Actually, I hope Sam doesn't listen to this (laughs) because if he does, I hope it's not a surprise. But anyway, um, so if you hear a really loud voice, it's Cameron trying to, (laughs) I can hear him. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing to myself. It's Cameron trying to record a message. He takes about a thousand takes. I've done it mine in two minutes. (laughs) All right. So we are on the second episode of a new collection that I'm doing called Behind the Mic, all to do with preaching. So uh, this is a pretty intense title, actually. I thought this was pretty intense. Preaching that shakes hell. <laughs> it sounds very fire and brimstone. Uh, but last week I shared some key thoughts around um, just some key thoughts around preaching using my journey. So I weaved a bit of my story in that. But today I want to talk about powerful preaching. And I love being a girl, being able to talk about this, by the way, because I think there is definitely more room, more space globally, but definitely in Australia for some more phenomenal, powerful girls to rise up in their preaching and to be powerful preachers. And of course, this today is for boys, guys and girls. Um, But I want to really talk about how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, Because, you know, every time we get a microphone in our hand, we have the opportunity to absolutely sucker punch the enemy. I don't even know if that's a saying or a word, but I just made it up. Sounded good. (laughs) In other words, we have the opportunity to absolutely make the gates of hell shake because we are called to preach the gospel. Now, we all know what the gospel means. It means the good news. And the reason that it's good news is because it saves us from the consequences of our sin. It's good news because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is the way to receive everlasting life. He is the only way. Oh my gosh. Did you guys just hear that noise? I'm so sorry. Do you know what that was? Cameron knows that I'm recording a podcast, but he really wanted to come and show me his message that he just recorded. So he just came and slid the door open. He didn't even try to do it quietly. That was that was Cameron making an entrance. Anyway, okay, let's get back to our topic. So um, I ended, uh, yeah, so G- Jesus is the only way. The, the preaching of the gospel is the only way that hearts and lives are transformed. You know, without the power of God, all we're doing is really just communicating a few thoughts or, you know, a lesson or two. And I am super passionate about not just great preaching, but Holy Spirit power-filled preaching. And so that is what I want to talk to you about today. Now, I ended last week by talking about how we need to not be 
gifted so much as anointed. That we, uh, you know, there are plenty of gifted communicators out there. There are plenty of people in the world who are really gifted at speaking publicly, but it's not gifted communication that changes and transforms hearts. It is only the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, of course, there are things that we can do to become better at preaching, and I will talk more about that next week. Um, But without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we might as well go and get a job as a life coach. So I want to talk about being preachers who are anointed, and what does that mean, and what does that look like, and how can we, I guess, practically outwork that. So Today, I was, uh, Cameron and I were actually super privileged to be on a national meeting um, in a room today in the city with a group of, um, uh, of people. And we, the whole point of the day was talking about reawakening evangelism in our country. And so I just was so glad to be in that today and then to be recording this now because it just goes together so beautifully. But for those of you who are familiar with the movement that I serve, that Cameron and I serve, it's called the ACC or Australian Christian Churches. We are a movement founded on evangelism. Now, as you know, I grew up Uniting Church um, and I'm really thankful and so grateful for my roots there. But I am super grateful that when I was a teenager, I moved into the ACC movement, and I would say that's where um, my call to preach was really, um, I was awakened to it for the first time. So, and as you know, Cameron and I run Youth Alive as well for Queensland and nationally, and that is, like, Youth Alive is the largest soul-winning movement in Australia for young people. It was birthed out of the vision of, of seeing young people encounter Jesus and give their hearts to God. And so, um, now, let, before I go any further about that, I just want to reiterate something I said last week. Um and that is that preaching is not about us. And I actually saw the best post this week on Instagram that someone put up and it was almost assaulting and really in your face, but the message of it was brilliant. And I just wanted to share it with you, but it was, um, it was just a black tile and on the black tile written in white were the words, shut your face. Now that really got my attention. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who's telling us to shut our face? What does that mean? And basically it was about how too many Christian leaders are obsessed with posting their own faces. And let me just read a bit of the post. Um, This person says, will I ever stop being shocked by how many Christian leaders think it's perfectly okay to have an Instagram feed full of photos of themselves? Did we Um, Did we all decide to let that part of the Bible go through to the keeper because it's a bit too hard in these Instagram days? Throw it out with the Sabbath and gluttony and drunkenness and all those pesky scriptures about justice for the oppressed. It's like we don't actually fear the Lord. You do realize how this plays out, right? You choose the world's values and you reap the world's rewards. You choose your face and the world repays with your face being dragged through celebrity gossip media. It's not rocket science. It's reaping what you sow and you keep sowing dumb. (laughs) Not my words, the Instagram post. Um, And then this person goes on to say, I honestly feel like an alien on this earth sometimes. Am I the only person who thinks this? Is self-centered vanity considered a Christian virtue these days? For the love of God, I thought we were supposed to be about 
others. Uh, And then they go on to say, are we really going to disciple younger generations to think that superficiality is an indulgence that comes without consequence? Um, I just thought that was really good. I was like, no, you're not an alien. And if you are, I'm with you because I completely, you know, I agree that a lot of this posting, by the way, when people, when Christian leaders are posting themselves, it's usually they're on a stage either preaching or leading worship. Um, and I, I actually agree with her. I think we do, we need to stop it. I think a little bit of it, you know, every now and then is fine, but, um, you know, we're making it about us and that's what I want to talk about today. The gospel is not about us. Preaching with power is not about us. Uh, it's not about our gift. It's not about our opportunity. It is not about the stages that we get to speak on. What we need is less of us and more of the Holy Spirit. We need to make him the one that is the center. We need to make him the one who is famous. I just do not give two hoots. I mean, I go places and speak all the time and I do not put it up on my social media because to me, it's just not about me. Um, But what we are anointed to do, and you guys all know the scripture, Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then it goes on to talk about proclaiming the good news to the poor and healing the broken hearts. Um, I love that scripture because the spirit of the Lord is on you to preach. The spirit of the Lord is on me. And I want to remind you of that today. It's not about a gift. It's not about, um, it's not about us. It's not about the opportunities that we get. It's about being given the absolute honor to have less of ourselves and more of the Holy Spirit every time we pick up a microphone. Okay, so guys, write these couple of things down. Four four or five things I want you to write down. The first one is this, when it comes to preaching with power and preaching with the Holy Ghost, number one is we need to have absolute conviction. That is how we need to approach every single chance that we get to preach. We need this conviction that the people listening, whether we are preaching in front of a bunch of youth or a Sunday morning church crowd or at a conference, that when we preach, we're not just communicating a bunch of words, but we need to have utter conviction that they are hearing the life-transforming power of the gospel, whether it's an outreach event or whether we're doing a salvation message, or even if we're preaching like I did the other week on tithing, people can and will be saved and set free because it's not about our content. It's about the power of God resting and anointing on us and the words that we're speaking. You know, people can receive a revelation from God that will break things over their lives every time we open up our mouth and we preach the gospel. We have to be absolutely convinced that what we are sharing is life-giving, life-saving, transforming, and that it's a message that every single person in that room needs to hear. We need conviction that every time we open our mouth, the power of God is going to move and convict and change and save. Um, there was a quote that I've heard recently from Christine Kane, and I thought this was amazing. This is when it comes to preparing your message during the week. And she said, you know, I don't have a message, but the message has me. And that is so true. And I know that one of the most important things for me 
when I'm preaching is I need to feel it because when I feel it in the, in the depths of my heart, when I feel what it is that I'm preaching about, then I will preach with greater conviction. I can only deliver a message if it literally is almost like being birthed from the inside of me. Otherwise, you know, and I know I've had people before say, oh, can I have a look at your sermons? Can I have a look at the way that you put them together? And I happily will send them along, but they look so powerless when they're just sitting there like that with a bunch of words typed out with my little highlighted bits and pieces, because where the power comes is when the Holy Spirit is resting upon us when we deliver them. That is what transforms those words on the page. Um, Having conviction means that we are preaching about something that God has laid on our hearts to speak about. So, you know, I often kind of struggle if people give me a theme or a topic to speak on because I kind of feel like, oh, but what if God was talking to me about speaking about something else? Um, So I always seek God for what he wants me to talk about. And even if I'm given a topic, like I want to honor wherever I'm going to, because they obviously, you know, they have felt that God, for example, in a conference might've put a theme on their heart and you want to honor that, but I will still seek God and go, what is it that you want to say? And often I'll kind of like, kind of do acrobatics with the topic and I'll twist the topic, um, around a bit to fit the God, uh, thought and the God idea that he's put on my heart. So that's the first thing is to have absolute conviction. Okay. Second thing I want you to write down is that we need to understand that we need the Holy Spirit. Okay. So if you want to be anointed and not just gifted, then we need to approach it with, I cannot do this on my own. I might have particular words that I want to say, or, you know, I might be good at delivering content, but this is just emptiness without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, our words that we preach are actually just information. You know, and as you know, I'm a, say it 50,000 times, I'm a teacher by trade. There is a huge difference between delivering a lesson where I'm teaching how to spell or the alphabet or whatever it is I'm doing, how to read the time, completely different to delivering um, a message, a, a preaching message. There, There is nothing like preaching. And I am totally aware that I need the Holy Spirit every time I get up and I grab that microphone. And we need to come at every single opportunity the same way. You know, without the Holy Spirit, we're just delivering content. He is, pardon me, he's the one that turns the information into revelation for the people listening. It's it's his power that saves. It's his power that does the changing in people's lives. We are not the one that does that. He does. So years ago, uh, I remember there was this um, this girl in our young adults ministry and back in Adelaide, and she had an incredible gift with drawing. And she drew me a particular picture one day while I was preaching. And I felt that it was just so prophetic that I've actually still got that picture in the back of my preaching folder. Um, I've got this black preaching folder that I use. And, um, and so I've kept this picture. It's literally like, I think it's almost like 20 years old, but I was preaching and she was part of the group listening and she drew this picture of me on the platform and behind me in the picture, it was just like a cartoon picture there were two angels, one on each side of me, um, and they were huge. They were much bigger than I was, and they both had a bow and arrow in their hand, and the arrows were on fire. 
and they kind of were like poised, like posed, ready to, you know, the, the flaming arrow was kind of in the bow and they were poised, ready to kind of shoot it. And then you could see, um, there was uh, like a crowd of people in front of me and different arrows were kind of being shot out into the crowd, kind of like being delivered and, and hitting the hearts of different people that were listening. And, um, I, I love that picture. She actually said to me that she felt that God had given that to her because every word that I spoke, every time that I preached, that these words were that I had, you know, the angels of God standing with me and they were taking up every word out of my mouth and they were dipping it in the anointing fire. Fire, of course, um, is to do with anointing. They were dipping it in the anointing oil and fire of the Holy Ghost. And then it was being shot out and whoever needed to hear a particular thing, it was going to that person's heart. I love that. You know, I still pray that to this day, every time before I preach, every single time, I'll never forget that. Um, And I always say things like, Lord, take my words, anoint them with your Holy Ghost fire and send them as piercing arrows to those who need to hear it today. And I'll often say things like, you know, Holy Spirit, you know exactly who needs to hear what. You know these people better than I do. You know their thoughts, you know their heart, you know what they need to hear. So take each word that, you know, is specific to different people and and let it bring healing and let it bring um, breakthrough and uh, let it awaken others and set others free and cleanse others. So every time before we preach, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what is it, what is it that you want to say? And what is it that you want to do? And just be so aware. So we firstly need that conviction, but secondly, we just need that, that awareness that we need the Holy Spirit. It's not about us and we can't do it on our own. The third thing I want you to write down, or I want you to remember is don't restrict the Holy Spirit by relying on your notes. I know particularly when you're first learning to preach, and it really does depend on your style, Cameron takes minimal notes. You guys would laugh. If you could see uh, Cameron's notes next to my notes for a sermon, we are literally chalk and cheese. I almost write everything out word for word and then type it out. He will be way too restricted if he does that, and he just writes kind of a couple of thoughts I literally will want to vomit in my mouth and swallow it and eat it if I had to get up with as minimal notes as what he does, but he's really good off the cuff. But what we need to be aware of, particularly those of us who are like me that write notes, is we need to, um, you know, it's not a bad thing to write those notes. And I always have, and I always will. That's my style. But my notes don't contain me and they don't restrict me. So if we memorize or rely on notes or we keep going back to our notes, what it does is it actually can take away the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be on what we're saying over the content that we've written down. So now that does not give us an excuse to not be prepared you know, in fact, we, we need to learn how to be great preachers so that we can keep people engaged because you don't want people bored and tuning out. But the notes really are just a guide. And for me, they're probably a bit of a security and a bit of confidence. And I'm, 
I do do a lot of teaching as well. And so I like to have everything kind of set out well. I like people to walk away and remember, you know, what it is that I've said. But again, that's uh, that really comes down to the Holy Spirit convicting their heart. And that's why they remember things. But we need to ask, and this is what I do. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you breathe all over these notes. Um, you know, even once I've typed out notes, I'll print them out and then I go over them again with a highlighter. And often I'll just be like, Holy Spirit, what, what parts are you on here? And, you know, is there a space here that you want me to focus on? And, um, and that leads to my, to my next point that I want to make. I want you to write this down number four, that it's really important that we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit while we're preaching. So even though I've got my notes, I am not contained by them. In fact, I'm super sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I might feel that, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading me to really focus on one particular part, or I might even skip sections and just say, you know, because, because I feel like, you know what, God's not on that. I I just don't feel to say that. And so I might skip a section and, and go to another part. But this is the most important question that you can ask or the most important thing that you can pray before you get up is, Holy Spirit, what is the key here today? And I know for me often, I mean, I will prepare all week, by the way. I don't just prepare on a on a Friday for a Sunday. Um, like I said, giving a sermon, it's like, it is like giving birth to something. It's something I feel. It has to brew in my heart and it brews in my spirit for a good week or more. I've often, it's the way I approach the podcast as well. I know way ahead of time what I want to, you know, what, what topics that I feel led to do. Um, but we need to be so aware that the Holy Spirit might stop us on a certain point. Now, how do we know? Well, when you've been a Christian for a while and you understand how God speaks to you, you will know. You will know when you're preaching. Um, I know for me, I'll often really feel the weight of the Holy Spirit to stay on a particular part. Um, And I might even say that. Like often if I feel that, I'll say, okay, like I really feel that God is speaking to people right now. And I might stop and I might pray for a moment or I might just, um, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will take me down a path that I haven't got on my notes and I haven't got written down, but I might feel to really labor on a particular, uh, you know, part. Um, You know, don't, and don't limit, by the way, what the Holy Spirit can speak through. Uh, Just the other week I preached on tithe and And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this can be, you know, I know this is something that we need to teach, but then I really felt God say, you know, Renee, look at how you grew up. You grew up with a a poverty mentality because you grew up in a single parent home. And so, you know, I shared about that and, um, and I really felt God wanted me to, to address that and talk to people that maybe really struggle in their relationship with money because of the way that they grew up. So it doesn't matter what the topic is. We constantly need to be sensitive and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say today? What is the key? Who is there in the room? What is it that they need? Um, You know, you might give someone a word in the middle of your preach. I know I've done that before. Um, If you want young people to really keep listening, stop in the middle of your sermon and give a young person a word. Believe me, it'll have everyone stopping and and concentrating on what you're saying. Um, So... The other part around this too is, you know, often we focus so much on the delivery um, of the content, writing down the content and focusing on the content of what we're preaching, but it's actually almost more important. And often we forget this, but to plan 
for after the preach? Like if you've preached on something, what's the response to that? What might the Holy Spirit want to do in people's hearts afterwards? And this is probably the most intimidating part. Some people are very good at just that those ministry moments. Cameron's very good at that. I grew up in a church where my pastors were really good at that. I personally found it very um, intimidating at first and a bit of a pressure. I probably am more comfortable with the preaching side of it. Um, And so I remember, I can't even remember who told me this, but it was quite life-changing for me. It might have even been Cameron when he said, pray about before you get to that moment, that ministry moment, pray about it when you're preparing your sermon and have a plan, go into it with a plan, but then be open to the Holy Spirit changing that. So that's what I do. I prepare as much as I can for the ministry moment after I finished preparing for my sermon. You know, so there's so many different ways. So, um, and I'll write it down. You'll often see scribbled down at the end of my sermon because I'll pray about it and go, God, who who is it that you want to speak to today? And I might feel to, you know, pray for different certain types of people. Um, so you know, I'll always be asking the Holy Spirit and I'll write down my plan. But then when I get there, I have my plan to fall back on, but I'm also super open and sensitive to, okay, God, well, what do you want me to do? Now, I just wanted to finish off with a couple of ideas around that moment, because I think it's probably if you haven't grown up in that environment, or even if you have, like I have, it's still really intimidating. You know, you deliver this amazing sermon and you've been sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but actually facilitating that ministry moment at the end is like a bit nerve wracking. Can I say this? The first thing that we should always do, we should always give an opportunity in every um, service, every time that we get an opportunity to preach, we should give a salvation response always. Um, We grew up in my church doing that. Absolutely every single church service, every youth service, every young adult service, we would not finish the night without giving people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Um, I'm surprised at a lot of churches that don't do that on a, a like, and I'm not, not just talking a regular basis. I mean, like an every meeting basis. Every now and then we sometimes forget um, at our church and I know I sometimes forget and I always feel so bad. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry because there might be people there and that has been their only time that they've been in church. And so we always want to give that opportunity. Um, And again, uh, that can be intimidating, but if we have that conviction and it's like, God, this is not about me, this is about you and just try and focus on that. Um, But then other different ideas, these are different things that I do at the end of my sermon. Often I will feel to pray for certain groups of people in response to what I've been talking about. Now, sometimes you might get them to come down for prayer. Uh, Sometimes you might get them to respond in their seat by raising their hand or a hand on their heart. Often I pull out a certain group of people. Um, I was at a conference recently and it was a women's conference where all of their young, um, their youth girls were also there. And I just constantly felt drawn when I was preaching towards the young people, probably because that's where my heart very much lies. And um, and so I, f- I think though one of the reasons was they were the most hungry for God. 
And so often while I'm preaching, I'll be looking, looking, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to do at the end. And I'll be like, God, what is it? Where is it? Where are you, Holy Spirit? What do you want to do here? And so I remember on that particular night, and this was just a few months ago, I got all of the young girls to come down to the front. And so we prayed over and uh, I think I did I can't even remember what I what I focused on but these girls were so open and they were so hungry and I could feel it and so it was very easy to pray for them first so because I felt God was on that and then of course they responded and a lot of them were crying and they were really hungry for God and then that kind of lifted the faith in the room for everyone else and um and then I prayed um I can't remember what the next thing was that I prayed for but I'll just be like God is there a group of people here that I can pray for so I'll finish with this one um I remember, for example, when I was preaching at Youth Alive in South Australia, this was a couple of years ago and pre, post, pre, sorry, pre-COVID. And I, to be honest, don't even remember what I preached on, but I really felt at the end just to get all the young people to come down the front who were from broken homes. And obviously that's my story. So I've got a heart for that. And so I remember that's what we did. And there were so many, there were so many of them that came down the front and, you know, they were so broken and, and that a lot of them were crying. And then I really felt within that to talk to all the young men, all the young boys. And so, you know, my probably one of my strengths with ministry time is not the real loud hyped kind of times, but I just love quiet kind of gentle ministry as well. I think that can be powerful. And I remember just saying to all the young boys, Hey boys, look at me, look at me. And I just spoke the words of God over them and said to them, you are, you know, you are going to be champions. You are not going to repeat your father's mistakes in the past. You are going to be wonderful fathers. You're going to be wonderful husbands. And just speaking into the men, uh, the young boys um, that night. And it, it was so powerful. It was probably one of my favorite ministry moments, to be honest. Um, yeah, so there we go. So that takes us to half an hour, but I really um, just felt to, I actually wasn't planning to do that today, but I'm like, I cannot preach, uh, preach. I cannot do a podcast about preaching and not talk about having that sensitivity, understanding, conviction, awareness of the Holy Spirit, because it is not our words that changes people's lives. It is not our words or our giftedness that breaks things over people. It is not us that saves people. It is only God and only the Holy Spirit. And so I just wanted to bring that back to center. And so when you get up next, um, or even if you're doing a, a devotion at Life Group, your Connect Group, this is the way I also approached um, preaching in my small groups, even if you don't have a microphone in your hand, but you are sharing a devotion or a word with a small group. This is the same mentality that I want you to have. And it's very powerful in a small group to think to yourself, I'm not just bringing a lovely little devotion. I am bringing the word of God that can change and heal and set free and transform all of the young people or whatever age they are in front of you. And I still remember 
so many moments in my connect group all those years ago when I was leading in the teenage space because the young people are so open. And I remember time and time again, they would share, they would cry, their hearts were changed bit by bit, little by little, um, not by me, but by God. And so I just wanted to put that front and center today. So there we are. So guys, thank you for joining me. Um, I think I'll do one more next week and maybe get around some of the practicalities of what makes a really great sermon. Um, but of course, if I only had one podcast to do this on, I would tell you what I told you today. I consider this the most important thing. So go and do some radical incredible life transforming preaching this week and um, hit me up on social media and let me know how you go. Anyway, I love you guys and um, so proud of you. So proud of all of you that come along and listen every week and want to learn. And I think you're amazing. Have a good week and I'll see you on Friday. Bye.